Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. Pierre Lebrun and Mystic Mike Johnson standing by to break down all happenings around the hockey world. Looking forward to today's podcast. We're going to have some real passion from Pierre here in the early going. I can tell we're going to tap into one of his great passions surrounding the game. Got Your Back NHL Brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. They got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, and drinkware. And boy, do they ever love, and so do I, their switchback heated chair, the world's first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. Has dual heat zones in the seat and in the back. You can micro adjust it from your phone. It's awesome. It's got an insulated cup holder on one side, a wine glass holder on the other. You don't get much better than that. Kuma Outdoor Gear. Experience luxury outdoors. Morning to the boys. Johnny, how are you, pal? How's the voice? How's the voice? You've been nursing your instrument. I have been taking care of the voice. Yeah, you know what? I really just took like five days off, which for Mm -hmm. me is an eternity in the middle of a season. I did have to miss one game, a Montreal game I was supposed to do, but... Uh, with juniors on the horizon, I was trying to get as healthy as I needed to be. Makes sense. To get over to, to get over to make sure I could do the world juniors properly. But I'm good now. Yeah, it's all kind of normal now. Pierre, how you doing, my man? You're wondering what's coming because of my intro. You're like, yeah, me what too. are we well, doing here? Well, first of all, I was going to point out there's no way MJ's missing a game in New York. So yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that, that was, sure. was the ultimate. Mystic, you know what it's like, Pierre? Missing Mike. <laughs> Power play when you block a shot, like you're hurt for the next five on five shift. But when a power play comes up, boom, instantly <laughs> fixed. That's like Ooh. New York for me. Rising yeah. from the ashes, Johnny. He's ready to go, says the trainer. He's ready to go. Uh, Pierre, listen, I- I've been okay. waiting for this opportunity. Finally, if you're going to talk about the all, the skills, all star format. The I will NHL literally All-Star unplug game. this mic and leave. <laughs> now, right the now. NHL All-Star game, but so they're going to legitimize it. You know, you're going to have to cancel your holiday plans because I, I can't wait for the column. Oh NHL players and the skills competition for a million dollars, Pierre. Is this not your, your dream come true to finally inject some real competitiveness into the event? What do we think, pal? Literally did not read the release. I'm not kidding. I have <laughs> no idea on. what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, you know, I, I, okay, I Pierre, refuse to read anything about Look at him. All-Star. He crossed his arms. Listen. Look at him. He crossed his arms in defiance right now. Body language. <laughs> tells me. A, a defiant Pierre LeBron. That'll get the guy's attention. If it's going to go to one guy. We've already seen a million dollars. It's crazy to say. Huh? A, a million dollars split ten ways the guy's attention they don't try yeah. that hard in the three on three they might try the last two minutes they don't try the whole time but a million bucks think- to the to the solo winner like that's gonna get guys to try in the all-star game the skills thing like that will be yeah it's a million bucks for 20 minutes of work like they'll try for those 20 minutes i like look, it. look at pierre's face he's so annoyed at me right now he's so annoyed right now. pierre it's not any more interest like a million bucks see what the guys will do just see if they'll they're gonna dial in the events no silliness no putting on Weird capes and hats and don't you care, know. don't care. Waste of time. Better. Can we acknowledge Cancel. better? Sure. I mean, it's a win, Shoggy. We'll take it. We we'll gotta take win. the anything, Yeah, that is. Yeah. It's a slow build here. Any, anything's better than the uh, hot pile of doo doo that uh, that most All Star <laughs> formats have been. Like, let's be honest. 
Well, I look forward to your post skills competition column, Pierre. I'm I'm really gonna I'm gonna put alerts on. That's, and I can't... Uh, that's gonna have to be AI produced, I think. Uh, <laughs> Chat GPT, here uh, we yeah. go. Hey, Chat GPT, uh, produce a, a an all star skills column like your Pierre LeBron. And it'll just be expletives, just expletives across the screen over and over. AI and over will again. know to throw it in a couple, a couple of holy mamas, and yeah. the game was not scoreless. The score was zero zero, and uh, there you go, Johnny. You know what I think they should do? I think they should bring up the top five scores from the American League and let them compete too. You want to talk about guys trying hard? Woo-hoo. The date, the date. You know, see that's great, but the danger in that, seriously, diminishing your stars. What if one of them wins? You know, yeah. right? this is off. It would, this you is would off be, script, you'd have to be uh, headlines. I would be the worst. It'd be the worst. <laughs> this is off script, but what do you guys think of what Chaos. the league is? Chaos. What do you think of what the league is proposing um, for February twenty five in a year? In a year, the this Finland, Sweden, Canada, U.S. best on best mm-hmm. coronation mm-hmm. event. You know, Look at first Pierre I was redirecting like, the conversation. Hey, Johnny. Well, I like no, it. I mean it's replacing no, it's okay. All Star. Obviously, it's no. obviously replacing All Star for a year. And the way that Bettman sold it to us in Seattle last week after the Board of Governors is that this is like an appetizer to the real World Cup in February of 28, which hopefully also is preceded by NHL players in Italy at the Olympics. And at first I was like, I get it. I mean, you, you have to try and stick handle around the Russia thing for next year still. And, and uh, you know, Finland, Sweden, and Canada, U.S., you got Matthews versus McDavid. But then the more I've talked about it with a few other team executives around the league, and they're like, do you really think the players are going to get up for that in the middle of the season? I don't know. Good question. Well, I, I look at just the 96 World Cup, which had more countries, whatever. But it ended, like if it ends with Canada-U.S. in the final, it will be a great success. Do you remember that right. 96 World Cup where there were fights in every game? It was yeah. hellacious. It was crazy. Yeah. And that was huge moment for USA hockey. Yeah. A huge moment. That was in September, I think, wasn't it? Early on, like before training camp. But that was an actual World Cup, MJ, though. What I'm saying right, is, but this the point is, is four countries. Yeah, yeah, but like whether you have to beat Slovakia to get there as well, or Germany as well. If it ends with Canada US and it's best two out of three, I think those games will be wickedly intense. Super mm. emotional. Everything you'd hope it would be, whether you play 10 games to get there. Or you play three. Like, I think if it ends up with that, if it ends up with Finland, Canada, it, it won't resonate the same way. But, um, I mean, what are you going to do, right? Like, like, you don't have any choice about it. The only other option is not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pierre, part of the really interesting thing here, too, is, I mean, the United States right now, if you look at the NHL scoring race, Best I mean, paper. it is littered with yeah. Americans. Like, they've got... What do they got here? They the first and Matthews. Too. Yeah, and goalies too. Matthews and Besser right up there with goals at 21. Third, uh, Kyle Connors right there. Uh, you know, Miller in points with 42. Quinn Hughes, you talk about the goaltenders. Yeah. Like, I don't know, handicap the game here, fellas. Is this a best on best right now? Canada, USA, Pierre would be something. Wow. Throw in all the U's and all the Kachucks and throw in a Matthews and you already got a hockey team between all that. But yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, um, and again, just to be clear, because I think there's been a lot of different speculation, what Bettman talked about last week was only four countries. Finland, Sweden, mm-hmm. Canada, and the U.S. Is, is kind of a truncated. Weird. Uh, yeah, four-nation event. So that's why mm, 
I don't know if they're going to get in on it. But yeah, if it's USA, Canada, I guess. Probably going to grab some attention. I'll tell you what, Shoggy. On paper, the U.S. are the decisive favorite in this tournament. Decisive? Decisive. Decisive. Their roster is better than any other countries by a margin. Their yeah. goaltenders, like Canada's goalies, are not what the American goalies could be with Demko, Ottinger, and, and uh, Hellebuck. The D on Canada is not as good as what the Americans can offer up. McAvoy, Hughes, et cetera, et cetera. The forwards, what? There's two things that, US, that Canada has that U.S. doesn't. If you think about a big picture, one, they have McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby. Like, like, I still think those three guys, even with Matthews and Eichel, like, I get it. I get it. You can say, like, you know, but I still think, like, McDavid's still the best. Mm-hmm. And McKinnon might be the second best. And Crosby might be the third best. So they have that. And the other thing they have, Pierre, and this is not even that I'm Canadian, is that they're Canadian. Like, Canada somehow seems to find a way to women, men, whatever, to win these sort of tournaments more often than maybe they should. And that's yeah. what they have. They're Canada. Like they're, they're, they, they know how to win these sort of moments. Now, a lot of these players won't have played in these moments. So maybe that memory is a bit distant, but yeah, the Americans are the best team. They should be handicapped the favorite in this tournament. Absolutely. I wouldn't shortchange a Canadian blue line with Kale McCarr at the head of it, but yeah, I, 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 I do agree. I think the U S is deeper elite talent. <laughs> it's, it's worth mentioning. Now there hasn't been a best on best hockey event in men's hockey since the 2016 world cup hockey in Toronto, which Canada won. The last best-on-best best event that Canada has not won, so that includes Olympics and World Cups, um, dates back to the 06 Torino 06 Olympics. 06 Turin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, Canada's been on quite a run, and obviously Crosby and Weber and Price and that whole golden generation with Vancouver Olympics in the middle of it, but winning again in Sochi, winning at the World Cup in 2016. It, it, it was an unbelievable run, but this is this is a new generation. And... Um, so now you've talked me into this Canada-U.S. angle. Okay. All right. So yeah, I needed to have this chat. I needed to have this chat, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll keep drilling on you for All-Star. We'll get you there uh, for the paid <laughs> skills competition as well. A little bit of time here. Uh, so should Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid be on the same line on that team as we segue nicely into the Connor versus Connor oh. battle that I was at last night? Can you imagine that, Johnny? Is that the right combination, Bedard and McDavid? Well, I mean, Bedard should be on the team. I'll go. Be, I'll give you that much. Yeah. I mean, man, oh man, what's so? I, you had a first uh, row view of it. I, yep. I've done a couple of Chicago games. So, I, Connor Bedard, I think, is almost better at the NHL level already than maybe some of us anticipated. Like a lot of us thought he'd mm-hmm. score, but like, would he get enough yep. points? Like, he doesn't have. He's so much better than anyone else on his team, right? Like the margin yeah. between him leading the team and scoring and everyone else. I think maybe Kucherov is bigger, but like. You know, he has almost twice as many points as the next closest guy. And he's about a point-a-game yeah. player, and he's a 40-goal scorer. Like, that stuff doesn't happen with support around him. That's how good he is. That, on his and own. Like, yeah. That's how, he's on his own. Yeah, without Paul, point. without Perry. Like, there's nobody around him. He's incredible. Now, putting him on the same line, I'm always worried about defense, Shoggy. You know that. Like, they need someone to get the puck. They need someone to defend. But Bedard is worth playing on that team, Pierre. And that's a year from now where he's going to be that much better. It's it's yeah, it's incredible what Bedard has done when you think about what he has around him. Pierre, what do you think? Yeah, that shot last night. My goodness! It, it, oh. the, you know the thing that I think everyone thought would be there 
I mean, I still worry over 82 games. Is he going to hit that wall that even the best players in the world hit in their rookie year at 18 around January, February? Because it's, it's, it's the longest season of his career. Um, but his ability to get that release off in traffic with so little time, including the way he, he took that shot last night, is just – I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I guess you could say Austin Matthews, but – it's absolutely unbelievable how he finds a way to get those shots off when it looks like the stick is there or the lane is closed or someone's closing in on him. He he, he is doing exactly what we saw in junior and and we weren't exactly sure if it would translate 100% at the NHL level. It absolutely has. Yeah, I think the playmaking too. Like he has shown... Uh... Maybe a bit of question there. I, you know, we thought the shot would translate and that there'd be some nice goal scoring there. But as you watch him play the game, you just realize, Johnny, how deep a level he's thinking it yeah. on just from a playmaking standpoint. Mm-hmm. And again, he doesn't have the guys around him to finish necessarily. But I'm surprised as it's increased to NHL speed, the way his hockey sense has allowed him to be an elite playmaker still. And he looks, the passes he's making out there, like mm-hmm. he's going to be an elite playmaker too. So I, I, I'd say we're, we're splitting hairs here, semantics. To me, it wasn't whether his hockey sense would be up to NHL pace. I always thought it would be. Yeah. It was more to me, would his legs right. be up to NHL right. pace? To be able to create those Like, situations. would he be able to get yep. to the spots where he, like, he could see the play, to make the play, whether it's a shot or a pass, but can he get open enough to make that play? Mm-hmm. Can he get enough room? Now, not to shoot. I mean, Pierre, the shot last night, preposterous how quick and like how he got that off but like you know you do need a little space to get the puck where you want it to throw that backhand sauce across for to Connor Murphy like you need space and he's not when you watch him look at that guy he's incredibly fast that's not what you think when you watch him you're like oh that guy gets around he has the puck a lot like you know you but it's not he's fast enough but I don't know if he's fast so that to me has been the better um, indicator of sustainable success the shot always going to be there the brain always going to be there. The legs are showing right. that he is more than fast enough to get there um, often enough to, to do the things he can do with the puck. He's, yeah, he's, I, I almost like when you watch Chicago and you look at their roster and Pierre, you like, you know, you talk to the Blackhawk people like they're so far away. They're oh, yeah. so far from having good players, like enough good players. You almost wonder like, is it going to be four years of this of him like sort of out on right. his own and maybe they pack up, a, they get a good draft pick, whatever. Like they're so far away from being competitive with him around them. Like that almost is just, it's almost like disheartening. Like, Oh God, it's going to like this for like half decade for him. But I think what you'll see because of that very point, which is a great one is that they've got, they've got the most cap room in the NHL. So I think with the cap going up on top of it this summer, I think there'll be some, interest from from Kyle Davids and the GM to plug in some veteran help similar to way Detroit I think has accentuated its rebuild by surrounding Mm -hmm. their young core with veteran players Steve Eisenman has done that Mm -hmm. I bet you that's that's the route that Chicago is going to keep going they I mean they have with with some moves already Taylor Hall's out for the year that would have been nice to have him on his wing all year but I think you'll keep seeing that um one last thing I want to ask and I really don't know the answer but I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks watching Bedard play because Connor McDavid is such a unique player i.e. there's a lot of young players that watch Connor McDavid and I don't know if they can go out 
and practice in a session the way McDavid plays because his ability to skate with the puck has literally never been seen before. In other words, what are you trying to copy unless you can actually do that? Whereas I wonder if Connor Bedard might end up having a bigger impact on younger players because even though it's also extremely hard to do what he's doing, I think players in skill sessions are going to try and mimic what he's doing. The release, oh, they already are. The angle. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm saying is it's weird to say that about McDavid versus Bedard, but I don't think you replicate McDavid. I, I, well, it, I, it's, it's hard. I think if you're going to trace like the lineage, it will go Austin Matthews to Bedard. Like, I think that's right. the template where Bedard followed. Like, look at this guy, the way he shoots it, the release points, the way he uses right. hands. And then it will grow from there. Like, I don't know where the tree goes from, from McDavid. Like, who's the next guy? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that guy copied yeah. McDavid and came out and played as well or something like yeah. that. No one you skates can try. like that. You can yeah. try, but, like, he, he's, he's got a unique gift. And it's and, and we dive down this hole. The funny thing about McDavid, you think about what you need to be to be a great skater. You think of, like, that sort of, like, trunky strength, right? Like, core, thighs, butt, whatever. Like, that trunky strength. Connor is not big there he's like he's like built like a normal person he's like thin right. and, and so he just has that ability through years of practice and i don't know whatever what he's born with um yeah it's a good point pierre because you can say go train like connor you're not gonna be able to skate like no connor. and if you're a hockey you dad train, johnny if you're a yeah. hockey dad then your kid's an oiler fan you're like yep watch mcdavid a ton but play like hymen that's what you say <laughs> if you're it. a dad right that's a hundred percent yeah watch him he's the best yeah, yeah. Play like that guy. More so last night's game was Connor versus Connor, and that was the big setup and everything. What I saw from Connor McDavid last night, he has nothing to prove to anybody, and we all know that. McDavid was the alpha last night. He came out and played that game like nobody's coming into Edmonton and gonna, you know, get on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the orders came out, wasn't a great start for them, but McDavid had good energy, was blitzing around, handling that puck, spinoramas, like Pierre, the creativity. He was he was on last night, and to me, that was an alpha male performance from McDavid last night, understanding the stage. Yeah, and it reminds me, um, was it Sidney Crosby's first game at Edmonton against a young McDavid where Sidney was like, I'm just going to make a point here tonight. Do you guys remember <laughs> that? It yeah. was vintage Crosby and, uh, you know, these guys pretend that they always downplay it, right, in real life. And you listen over the years to stories, like Gretzky's told stories many times about his games against Mario. Get real. It matters. Like, I mean, obviously they understand what's going on around them. And, and I think you saw that from McDavid last night. And, and by the way, what's most important to McDavid, uh, technically on points percentage, the Oilers now in a playoff spot. Uh, eight in the West, yeah. which is crazy. crazy. Absolutely. Think about no. all the airtime that we've used on this podcast in the first two months of the year where the Oilers were at one point. And rightfully eight so. Wins in a row. Yeah, eight wins in a row. There they are. But does that say more about the Oilers or about the bottom of the West? That they were able in the span of 14 right. days go from firing a coach, bottom of the league, to back into the playoffs in two weeks or yeah. whatever it's been. It was the right year to days. go in the tank. For sure, it was the right year to go in the tank. Right. Pack was not going to get away from you. Yeah. Stuart Skinner yeah. goes from 4-7-1 and one with an 865, 3.66, 7-0, mm-hmm. 9-34, 1.70. So, I mean, uh, he gets a lot of credit for that. I mean, he's done a good job. He's under right. tremendous pressure here. He's turned that around. Power play, 
tops of the league basically during this run. Penalty kill has been, I think they're 32 or 33, I think is the yeah. stat, if I'm going to get that wrong, uh, has been lights out. No more big giant mistakes. No more bad goals. McDavid's McDavid. Like everything has come back into alignment here, Johnny. Yeah, but Jay Woodcross watching going, um, what the hell? I yeah. asked the power, like the, the <laughs> same power play group and system that had us at 33% last year. I told them to do it again. And what they, they took the first three weeks off. Yeah. Like, well, I, I asked Skinner to make like, now listen, PK, there's no question. PK is a Mark Stewart influence. Mark Stewart 100%. took it over. Hadn't done like it that, before that, at this level and yeah, took it he over. did a lot of it. Pretty good job of it playing. Of in course. His career and, coaching. And, I mean, yeah. uh, but like, but I'm like, like that's like coaching and PK. Yes. Like Minnesota's PK also much better under the new coach than the old coach. I'll, I'll concede that, but that is all I'm conceding. That and the mental fresh start. Like other than that, Skinner, like he's not being the players are not being asked to play that differently now than they yeah. were under Woodcroft. It's just I think the health, the confidence, you know, maybe some of that D zone system that they're they're experimenting with. But this is the team that some of us picked to do very well this year. <laughs> and we're feeling all three of us sheepish. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, it's amazing how it all sort of has crystallized and you're like, okay, now they're probably not this good the same way they weren't that bad, but Pierre, this is well, sort of the, the, what it was supposed to look like. I don't know where they're going to end up, but they're going to end up ahead of Nashville, Arizona and St. Louis. I can assure you that oh, so yeah. they are making the right. playoffs and, um, and uh, who knows with Vancouver third place in the Pacific, by the way, I mean, the Canucks are an amazing story and I think they got a really mm-hmm. good chance of making the playoffs, but I'm not ready to concede number three in the Pacific either. You guys mentioned him briefly, but I want to underline his his effort over the last uh, couple of weeks as well. Zach Hyman, you know, I, I when Hyman left the Leafs, and this is not—I don't think it was you know bitterness from Leafs people, but obviously people looked at that deal in Edmonton and said, "How well is that contract going to age?" And I think that's still a pertinent question. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. you can wipe that away. But is there, of all the July 1st signings over the last decade, how many have been more impactful than Zach Hyman going to Edmonton for what he's done and for what that team needed? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the guy has completely lived up to what they wanted in that signing. It's unreal. Perfect fit. The perfect kind of player for what they were looking for him to do. And it's funny, like all the way back to Zach Hyman, the criticism, criticism of Zach Hyman when he first came to the NHL was like, yeah, he works hard. He gets around the puck. He cannot score. Like That was a criticism. He just cannot get the puck over the goal line. No matter how many chances he gets because he works hard, he's diligent. He just has no hands. And now he's, you know, he's pushing 40 goals. He's playing with McDavid and cashing in at regularity. He's a power play specialist. All stuff that you would have thought there's no way. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been such a good fit. He's been such a good fit. And, he, and what we should have known and learned out of Toronto is that he understands – how to play with great players. And that's not as easy as it sounds. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, like plug me with McDavid. I'll score 40. No, you won't. No, you right. won't. It takes a certain kind of skill to get it. Talk to, to Chris Kunitz and, and Pascal Dupuis. I'm talk just going to say. Talk to Hyman, right. who did it with Matthews and Marner. Like it, it takes a certain kind of understanding and, and brain to figure out what they need and then to apply your game to them. Yeah. Sidney Crosby's line mates will tell you over the years is only – Mm-hmm. About a handful that were that truly look comfortable playing with him because yep. the brain is on a whole other level. Been a heck of a turnaround for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so 
Canada's best three teams all win Tuesday night. I mean, if we're handicapping cup contention here in terms of ending this drought of 30 years, Oilers, Leafs, Canucks, Johnny, is it, I mean, are we back to saying it's the Oilers again? Are they more of a favorite right now than the Toronto Maple Leafs would be who have seven straight games with points? Mm -hmm. So how I would describe it, Edmonton probably has the best team, but I don't know if they have the best chance. It still might be Toronto because I think the top of the Mm -hmm. West is harder. Mm -hmm. If they come third and got to go LA, Vegas, Colorado, or whoever it is, that feels harder than whatever Toronto has to get through in the East today. So while I would take Edmonton over Toronto in a series, I don't know if I would take the path of Edmonton over the path Good of point. Toronto. And, and you know, having said right. that, Toronto plays without three of their top six defensemen, right? Like get Toronto healthy and their number one goalie. And help. And 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 and, and you know they're gonna change their team. They have yeah. five million dollars in cap space, which is unheard of for the Leafs. So um, but today, Edmonton better team. No disrespect to Vancouver. I would probably put them the same sort of problem on path, but also probably not quite as good as the Edmonton Oilers are right now. What I would say is if you can guarantee me that the Leafs can end up with Chris Tanev, I think I might be ready to give them the best path to the Stanley Cup final. Mm. You you, you know when you start to buy into your own, like, I just can't believe how Chris Tanev as a Leaf is the perfect marriage. Uh, it's, It's what they need. The GM knows him. He's going to be traded at some point, and boy, would that make a difference, I think, for the Leafs on their playoff chances if they get that type of defender. Um, but having said all that, right now, if you're forcing me to uh, put my life savings on the table, mm-hmm. uh, I'll stick with my September pick. I think the Oilers now have shown again why they're the best team in Canada. Yeah, they're reminding me more and more of the team from the trade deadline in last season that uh, total control of all facets of their game. They're the best team in the league, you know, from basically for the last stretch. Um, allowed next to nothing their last seven games. Uh, they're reminding me more and more of that team as they're finding different ways to win games and that resilience is back. So it'll be fun to watch. Uh, when the Edmonton Oilers are clipping, it's definitely entertaining. Let's talk a little Alex Ovechkin, Pierre. You wrote about this. The question everybody wants to know, does he got enough gas in those legs to get – to Gretzky's record. Uh, he's got a ways to go here. 894 is the number. Ovi's at 827, 67 goals behind. He's got five goals in 25 games. He's on pace for 16 goals. Um, Johnny, maybe just first on what you're seeing, and then, Pierre, you could talk a bit about what you what you talked about in your article. Well, I mean, I think you mentioned, the le- well, power play first, right? Like the fact that Washington is one of the worst teams in the league on the power play is, is surprising. No backstrom doesn't help. Kuznetsov has had a miserable year. But you thought Ovi would still crank out what? Power play goals a year? Yeah. He'd get that, and then he'd get 12. You know, he would find a way to get close to 30 just on the strength of the power play. There's that. And, yeah, he, he, looks, he looks older and slower on a team that is old and slow. I mean, they're, they're, to be honest, Washington is an older, slower team. Um, he has enough term on his contract. He's going to get there. He's going to get 25 goals this year too. Like, I don't think he's going to end up with 15 or 16 Pierre, but, um, that team where they are and where he is and where his sentiment are, because he was always going to need a facilitator. And while Dylan Strom's having a nice year, he's not really a set. He's more of a shooter himself. He's not really right. a setup guy like Kuznetsov or Backstrom was. That all makes this path more difficult. Yeah, that's one of the points I made. I mean, the power play one was was the. I mean, I, I spoke with Bruce Boudreau, who coached Ovechkin 
and he mentioned the power play as well. I mean, they're 32nd in the league in the power play. Ovechkin has one power play goal this season. He had 14 last year on route to a 40 goal, two, 42 goal season. I think what's interesting is the fact that we're even having this debate now is so drastically different than how most people felt at the end mm. of last season when he scored 42 goals at the age of 37. And I was like, he, he's going to beat Gretzky in no time. And I understood why a lot of people felt that way. He just scored 42 goals. But suddenly, just a few months later, it's like, whoa, age 38, what's going on here? And there's all kinds of factors. I mean, you mentioned Kuznetsov, who's played with a lot of his career, Backstrom and Kuznetsov. Backstrom's likely done for his career, and Kuznetsov looks terrible. Strom's not a great fit, even though Strom arguably is the best story on the Capitals right now. Um, I'm not ready to count out Ovechkin, and that's how Bujo felt, that it takes no time for Ovechkin to score nine goals in a week. And he just thinks that at some point we'll see that again. But he does look a bit slower. And and so now the question is this. He's got three years left on his deal, right? He Entering this, this year. He needed to average about 24 to 25 goals a year to get to and pass the 894. And it certainly looked completely doable three months ago. And now I think you have to ask the question. I mean, unless there there, there is a change of pace here it looks like it's going to be harder and the one point Bujo made in my piece if this ends up being like a 12 goal season which I don't believe I think Ovechkin is going to get the 25 but let's say it's a 12 goal miserable season and part of it the parts around him Bujo talked about the pride of the player that he knows is he going to drag himself to the end just to meet the record or is there too much pride to be that guy at the end I don't know yeah. The fact that we're having this conversation is stunning. Like, I think everyone's like, well, he'll yeah. get 36 this year and he'll get 28 next year and that'll be it. Like, you know, yeah. and that would be, and that would be conservative based on what he's done historically. Shooting at 12.8% in his career. He's at 5.6% this year. His 90 shots Ooh. are tied for 27th in the league. These are not Ovechkin like underlying numbers. So we'll see if no. uh, the grade eight can turn it around and, uh, and, continue his assault on, uh, well, one of the greatest records in the game. Um, Guys, I want to talk about retribution, reaction. We saw some big ones this week, and I want to get your take on it. There are those, Pierre, who would say, um, Eric Goodbranson cannot do what he did there in responding the, the way he did, that it was way over the top, doesn't matter what happened to him, that absolutely can't happen. And the NHL didn't send a very strong message that that the level of that being unacceptable with their suspension, they gave him a game. David Perron, a little bit different. They came down very heavy-handed, boneheaded play there from Perron. Um, So these are two very different instances, but these are reactions to things that are happening on the ice. P, what do you make of the Gabranson reaction and the one-game suspension? Yeah, I didn't like it, but I I get it. And a lot of it has to do, too, with it if the calls on the ice to begin with are in a better place, maybe you don't need to have that re- that reaction. So I yeah. think that feeds into a lot of what we've seen here. Um, you know, David Braun, meanwhile, has, has through the NHLPA, they appealed his suspension. And while I didn't like what he did at all, I mean, there's no room for that. He's not that guy. That's not his track record. Secondly, there have been other cross checks in recent years that have got less than six games. So from a technical point of view, I understand the appeal. I, Austin Matthews, right? What was it? Four games on the outdoor two, game in Hamilton? Two games. Two, sorry, two? two. I got that wrong. Yeah. 
Now, again, they're not the same exact play, but I still think if you're the PA, that's why you you, you appeal these things. Um, there's something weird in the water this year. We've not seen a string of events like this in a few years, really, uh, in terms of the retribution. And, and, and I go way back to the start of the season. Charlie McAvoy's uh, headshot to uh, Ekman Larson was, first mm-hmm. of all, again, what's McAvoy, a tremendous player, even thinking there? Or even Rasmus Anderson and Liney. Like, it's been a weird... It's like we got away from all this stuff mostly the last few years, and now suddenly we're we're having like a retro player safety year. It, it's weird. Mm. So the Perron one is, and I listen. I room with David Perron, my buddy. We played together. It would be because Zub had nothing to do with the play. It would be like just skating up to anybody and crushing him that hard for no reason. Yeah, like right. the difference is like Zub's got like he was around what happened, but he had nothing. Like it would be like off the opening face off just guy that aggressively like the Matthews one well him and Darlene were at least exchanging like they're in it together right Zub was just like I'm just like there's a yeah. guy hurt what like I'm worried about the guy who's hurt I'm gonna Pron had time to think about the action he was about to take that was a predatory well, long skate in it was against a guy who had nothing to do with yeah. what he was upset about like I think that matters because that that comes to player safety that'd be like me just skating around and anyone clubbing me over the head for for no reason whatsoever Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, the Cousins won. He knew it was coming. He didn't like to fight back, but he knew it was coming. Like, there was no surprise there. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think there's two conversations here. One, like, there are penalties in place for the good brands. And yes, it's over the line. Yes, he should. Like, but there's penalties in place. It's called an instigator, right? Like, if you want to fight someone who doesn't want to fight, then you get the 17 minutes, and that's what you get. And then if you punch him when he's not defending himself, you get that aggressor penalty, and that's what the one game is. Like, that's sort of mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Those are rules that... The hockey world, the NHL, is okay with having. We can have a discussion. Should there be more? Should there be stiffer? But that's those are the rules for that exact situation. Instigator, aggressor. Like, that's what happens if you make someone fight and keep fighting someone who doesn't fight you back. The But I think the bigger conversation is, and I've had this sort of been on my soapbox for a few times, is that the NHL needs to decide what it wants to do with hitting from behind. Thank you. This is the conversation. It's not 100%. about Eric Robinson or, or or Nick Cousins or like Evander Kane on Brodeen. It needs to decide what is okay and what is not. And if the players are okay and the league is okay with the Cousins hit being reviewed and being just a minor, then the league should probably be okay with players reacting firmly to that hit outside the context of the game. Mm-hmm. that hit has gotten so pervasive in the game. <clears throat> not even this weekend. You watch any night of hockey. I'll pull you a dozen hits that look f- similar to that. Maybe not quite so fast. Maybe not with the injuries and the reactions, but that are from behind and guys do it all the time. And players put themselves in spots to get hit from behind all the time, because that's how they're taught to protect the puck. And there is the sense that well, the rules will protect me because mm-hmm. you know, they won't hit me this way. I think the players, Kyle Pozo talked about it. Players want clarity. What are we doing here? What is allowed? What is not? What is a two? What is a five? What is a suspension? What am I allowed to be upset about when it happens to me? What should I know somebody else will be upset about if I do it to them? And I right. just think 
we're on a path so, now where it is just it's unclear because it happens all the time. So Johnny, I will you said that the league needs to decide what to do with hitting from behind and boarding. Um I'll kick it up a notch and I will say the league needs to do a better job of both hitting from behind and boarding. I don't think they need to decide. I think they need to do a better job of getting it out of the game. I think they've done a garbage job on the most dangerous play in hockey. I think this is a file they have completely failed and it's chaos out there right now because for some reason, Johnny and Pierre, players know when you've got another guy vulnerable, you know. It's the situation you're heading into the boards. Players know. And the NHL has allowed a level of gray area where players feel like it's okay to, to take some liberties and to start making contact in unsafe areas. So I think they need to clamp down because Ow. this is the most dangerous play in the game. So well, have your summit you... figure it out. But Pierre, but to what's me... The clamp? What's the clamp? What does the clamp look yeah. like, Pierre? So, like, shall I get, what does that mean? I don't know exactly, but but let's just look back at the, this exact conversation that we were having 15 years ago, except it was with headshots. And I mean, I remember going to GM meetings and literally everyone's hair was on fire. You know, Mac Cook and Mike Richards and all these things were happening. And Rule 48 essentially was created to create a different culture and eliminate headshots. And honestly, it mostly has. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we don't talk about headshots anymore. For the most part, mm -hmm. um, and, but that took a lot of work, and it took a lot of conversation, and it took an entire generation of player to get used to Rule Forty Eight. And now, if you sure. watch U.S. College Hockey or Canadian Junior, not only do you not see a guy go after a guy's head for the most part, the player carrying the puck is not as worried about getting hit in the head either. It's, a, it's like a duplicitous effect, and that's what I'm getting to here. Is that number one? I think somehow, you know, to your point, both of you, the league is going to have to you know, enforce this area with, with boarding and checking from behind. But the other question I would ask you guys is this, is that in the same way in which there was a younger generation of player that finally came in because of Rule 48 that wasn't even worried about looking up for the most part. Sure. Do we have a younger generation of player that because of the way the game is played in junior U.S. college doesn't seem to be as aware about turning their back on some of these players? And again, I don't want to blame sense. No, no, no. Pierre, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, and I, I like Justin Barron in Montreal, the Eric Robinson hit. He saw him coming. He shoulder checked. Here he comes. I'm going to keep standing facing the boards. He's not going to hit me. Right. Like, absolutely. I mean. Like that would have yeah. been a play. Not like, look at one I played, but you know, we would have known, okay, I, well, I got to turn. I got to get my shoulders to the, to the boards. I got to do something different than just stand face down to the boards and trust right. that he won't hit me. Absolutely. Pierre, there is a sense of, uh, security that most players play with. But when it comes around the boards, they shouldn't because more guys get hit from behind now than I think ever, largely because mm. they put themselves in those spots and guys finish those hits. But because the league hasn't guess, gotten rid of it, Johnny. Right. right. I, I hear you, Shoggy. I hear you. So, uh, But I, like, does that mean call more boards or does that mean more fives? Like, you know, should that be more suspensions? Like, what is that? Like, you know, it, it, should there, should it be five in games for anything like any of these hits, whether they're incidental like you know on the on the spectrum of severity should all should the robinson should kane have got five in a game for what he did to brodine i well i certainly think you i certainly think you can't get nothing right so i mean like this this is the conversation but i also think like the league likes physicality part of the game 
and the refs are doing what the league says. Like, I think mm-hmm. this is a, like, the, uh, this has to be a league, and maybe the players have to partake, but like a league of player executive driven mandate to change and to change right. culture that has gotten so pervasive that it will take a few, it'll take a minute to get it out because it's how right. guys are taught to protect pucks and how guys are taught to finish on four checks. And you watch around the league, and if I'm a fourth line grinder and I see all these guys hit guys and they're not getting penalties, I'm not going to pull up when I see, you know, numbers in the back. I'm like, no, I'm going to finish the check because that's my job. And mm. I, I don't get punished for it. Like, I'm not going to get even a minor. So, um, right. I, yeah, like, there was a weird weekend with all the reactions and all the hits. But I think you go to the root. What is causing the reactions? Try to fix that. Like, that's the conversation. that The same way it was cross-checking, like, I think boarding, hitting from behind, whatever you want to call it, it's been there for a half decade. And it should be something that should be addressed. Well, I, I mean, just to reiterate, I think the generational impact that Rule 48 had is what we're looking for here with yeah. this. And I don't, mm. I'm not smart enough to know for sure what that looks like, but it feels pretty similar in terms of the issue. So you have a Vander Kane's hit, Brodine out, nothing there. You've got mm-hmm. the cousin situation, uh, an angry Eric Branson, a review, and downgraded to a two. You got Ocposo speaking out publicly. This is an issue, and this is a great opportunity for the league to do it. So whatever it is, have your meeting, have your summit with the officials, and make it clear we're going to be cracking down, and mm-hmm. they need to start working their way towards getting this out of the game. Because right now, players feel like there's some gray area there, and they're taking advantage of it, and I think it's dangerous. Okay, that was the breakdown brought to you by our great friends at Kuma Outdoor Gear. Guys, I've been saying it since we started the pod. Red card, yellow card, no card. It's catching on. It's catching fire. I knew it was going to be an absolute hit. So much so that Mitch Marner even believes in it. He listens to the pod and he has started handing out colored cards. Take a listen to Marner in the scrum last night when someone's phone went off. And for you, your whole life, and you know just what your family means to you. So um, it's a yellow card, maybe a fine. <laughs> yeah. um, See what I'm saying? It's catching on, boys. So we're gonna keep rocking. But, but why? I don't get why he didn't say red card. I mean, phone well, going off in a scrum's a red card. That's Let's his judgment. Go. That is his. He only felt yeah. it was a yellow. He respects the integrity of what we've created here, and he didn't overdo <laughs> it. So. In honor of Mitch Marner joining our game, and we appreciate it, we're going to do a two-pronged red card, yellow card, no card here today, guys. Let's go to Colorado. Let's talk about the Lekkinen family, and let's talk about Miko Rantanen. So if you have not heard this story, can't imagine how you haven't. Ismo Lekkinen, who is a broadcaster in Finland, had this to say about Miko Rantanen, his son's teammate. But he's a broadcaster. He's got a job to do. Uh, he didn't have a very good summer. <laughs> he went on to say perhaps he consciously took the summer a little more calmly after the hard years. And maybe he didn't practice as much as in previous summers. Is Mo it delivering what he thought were the truth bombs on his son's teammate? Red card, yellow card, no card to Is Mo and Johnny. That is a red card ejection. That is unbelievably offsides. You cannot do this. Two things. One, okay, 
think he's getting this information? Is he yeah. working the Ranton in camp or is he getting it from his son? Oh, no. You're sewering your son. Dad, your job. what are you doing? Dad, Dad. you're killing me. No, you <laughs> cannot do this to Arturi Lekkinen. Red card, Pierre, way offside. I, I'll say yellow card because the problem, and I, I've met Mr. Lekkinen. He was at the Stanley Cup final. In fact, when his son won the cup, with Colorado a couple of years ago. He's a nice guy. His job, though, in the Finnish media, he's also a former coach, by the way, is is to comment on the NHL, but also to comment on Finnish players. So I don't know how you get around it. I guess you could soften the blow, obviously, in that particular case. Uh, by the way, as an aside, a funny story about about uh, about Ismolekinen. He, he would partake in the game-winning goal media pool that we have, the Stanley Cup final, that you guys have been part of over the years. And one night he had a Tampa player and that player won the game winning goal and the sickening feeling on his face as the, as the people running the pool gave him the cash, because of course, all he's thinking in the moment is he wants his son to win the cup. But a couple of days later, he, he got, got his wish. wish. So red card. So the, I just say this. Yeah. He's not that worried about his son. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, oh man, dad, what are you doing? That guy's my oh, friend. Man. Like, what are you doing? So red, two red cards. Cause that's full red card for me too. Yeah. But Pierre goes at it with a yellow card. So then Miko Rantanen in a media scrum has this to say. To the assembled masses. It's a little bit, the audio is a little tough to hear, but you'll get the point here. And uh, there's actually one thing where I got a lot of extra energy. You know, one of our Finnish NHL players' dad was talking shit about the media that I didn't train last summer like I used to do. And, and uh, he was just making, making things up. So I think that was, that was for him, you know. Uh, if, you, if you talk shit, it's going to come back at you. So. Wow. I'm not sure well, where Lekkinen sits in comparison to Rantanen in the locker room. What would have made that even better if he was in the next stall over and saying it. But an aggressive public retort from Miko Rantanen. Johnny, red card, yellow card, no card to Rantanen. No card. Come on. No card. You start it. Finish it, pun intended. Listen, the best part of that whole statement was like a Finnish player's dad. Not my teammate that I want to cup with. Not the guy who's 10 feet over there. A Finnish Some player's guy. dad Some talking guy. crap. And he was like, that was not true. Very clear. It was not true yeah. about me training hard. So no card. You want to start it? I'll finish it. Absolutely. Speak your mind, Miko. Interesting, Pierre. Well. Well, obviously, there's only one thing we all have to wish for between now and March 8th is for the Avalanche to pick up about five other Finnish players. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh... <laughs> is there any way that's... this was lost in, uh, you know, translation, no. humor, that this no. was actually to the Finns, they're all laughing and ha-ha, and it's funny? Like, I don't know, Pierre, you you, you spent lots of time internationally. Like... Hey? It doesn't... Big joke? Peter Baugh. Yeah, Peter Baugh <laughs> covers the Avs for the Athletic, I think, he made sure in one of his questions to to uh, Ratnan, like, is this a joke or something? And and I guess the answer was no. <laughs> this is not a joke. So what color card, P? Uh, I'm going to go uh, no card because Miko Rantanen is allowed to uh, defend himself in that, in that instance. Okay. Johnny, you and I might get into it here. I'm going red card for Rantanen. I Ridiculous. think, uh, no, listen, I know what you're saying. The other guy started it. That doesn't give you carte blanche to just do whatever you want to do without any Why thought not? about consequences. He's still a teammate. 
You have the opportunity to deal with it in-house. Go and deal with it in-house. Talk to the player. Talk to the dad. Express your your dishappiness, your displeasure with what happened. Now you've got a very public statement. Articles about a potential riff in the room. You've started all this. You're a leader on that team. They don't need this distraction. You didn't need to look at you. You're so vindictive that the team no longer comes first, Johnny. That's he didn't talk didn't talk one bit about his teammates, only about his teammates' dad. He didn't even say his teammate. He just said he finished player's dad. Didn't bring Arturi into this at all. He made oh, it all really? about his dad. By the way, when is Not the abs? Uh, Arturi already violated the trust of the room. Arturi didn't. Arturi didn't. Oh, Mr. Lekkinen's making this up without any, any information from Arturi? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess if, you, if you're going to give, are you are you going to give? If you're going to give Lekin and a Arturi Lekin and a pass for what Dad said, then I'm giving a re- ranting and a pass related to Arturi going back after the dad. <laughs> this is getting complicated. He, he by the way, by the way, I really hope the Abs have a dad's trip coming up. Like a lot, a lot it's of a mom's trip this year. Oh no! Okay, yeah. so that's say. Oh wait, Chris Johnson uh, mentioned yeah. that on Insider Grading. Although uh, that could get two. even worse, man. You get the mums involved, that could get even worse. You never know. By the way, speaking of red cards, Shaggy, did you say this happiness? This happiness. I think if we rewind the tape, you said this happiness. Is that is that possible? Oh, did I? I oh, did I make up a word? No, I said displeasure. I didn't say. Did I make? I didn't say dishappiness. Did I? Uh, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> if you would have, I would have. I would have put it. Johnny would have been all over me. He yeah, would have pounced because sure. we're in the middle of an argument right now. He would have absolutely. He would have chewed me up. Uh, Just to oh, be yeah, clear, was... I'm the guy on my second. I'm the guy on my second language, right? I'm the guy yeah. speaking in my second language. Okay. Just All right, that was red card, yellow card, no card. Our new game brought to you by Mitch Martin. And, uh, there's actually one thing where I got the luck oh, for you your whole life and you know just what your family means to you. So um, it's a yellow card. Maybe yes, it is, Mitch. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a yellow um, card. Guys, great job on the podcast today. Look forward to chatting. We'll do one more next week before we head off for the Christmas break. So, Johnny, you rest those, uh, rest those vocal cords of yours. You're needed at Christmas time by Canadians and hockey fans around the world, buddy. So I'm not saying you're a hero. You just take care of yourself. You can call me a hero. I appreciate that. (laughs) Sounds good. Pierre, talk next week, my friend. Yeah, go Cowboys. Yeah, there you are. All right, folks, thank you so much for your downloads and your subscriptions here on Got Your Back NHL Edition. If you get a chance, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We would love to know what you think of the podcast. Big thanks, as always, to our fantastic title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear. Have a great finish to your week, and we will talk same time next week. Cheers.